What is up, Arizona? Welcome to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, high school basketball. Here we cover everything small ball from 1A to 3A conferences. As coaches in the Valley, we understand these guys don't get enough love or recognition, and we're here to advocate for them and show them some love. We talk about scores, coaches, teams, and players all at Arizona Small Bowl. Today, we're going to look at the AIA's decision for the higher seed to host until the championship and the effect that it could have on some teams. We will talk about the Elite Eight games in the 3A and the 2A, and we'll talk about our picks moving forward. Reyes Herrera is here with me, as always. Reyes, there were some teams that took some big losses on Saturday in the Elite Eight. That's never easy. What's the worst loss you ever experienced as a player, man? Well, Coach, and we're talking about the worst losses. Let's bring it back to my senior year, okay? So my senior year, senior it was years. a pretty rough year. We only had – we won six games and lost 21 overall. So just by that. Did you win six we games? We won six games, Coach. Surprising, right? That's pretty yeah, good. That's pretty good. So, that's so good. yeah, we won six games. But the backstory to this one was we played the number two team in the state. And believe it or not, Coach, we beat them. God's miracle, we ended up winning 51-47 to 47 against this team. And we had no business winning. God was on it. Guys must have been guys must have been praying a lot before that. Jesus probably took over my body and had me shooting, let's just say. I don't even know what happened, but <laughs> we won the game. Anyways, we go down for, but later towards the season. We ended up seeing them again at their place, and we lose by 21 they pressured us and they just took us out of the game and it was it was pretty bad we lost by 21 points coach it was their student section was rowdy i do remember that student section getting pretty pretty it wild it was pretty wild it was a fun it was a fun atmosphere overall like you if you're a player like you love those atmospheres where the crowd's just in it and you know people i'm sure it was funner for the other it team. was it was a lot more fun you know they probably had a little dunk fest and they were, they, were having, they were having the time of their lives, but yes, Coach, that was my – how about you? What was your worst loss? And we're talking about worst losses over here. And I still remember you snapping that kid. That was a pretty good crossover you had. Yeah, it was pretty good. But moving on to worst losses, what happened with you? So, so my senior year, we were supposed to be pretty good. Um, important to note, we were a small 1A school. Our coach thought it would be a great idea to schedule a 6A school. Its name was Hidalgo back in Texas. Um, we're all excited and ready to go. I remember before the game, I went out to the bathroom and I saw my dad. He looked at me and he said, son, show him how we do it at the Christian schools. And I was like, all right, dad, I got you. This is it. And we went on to lose by 70 points. And uh, needless to say, my dad did not stay to say good game to me after we lost. <laughs> um, the worst part, the worst part of the whole thing. We went out to eat after the game, and, and I know how you are. We're the same. We're, you know, we lose. We're going to grub out, you know. Um, that same team went to the same pizza place that we went to. Ooh. That might have been the worst. That was worse than losing the game by 70 points. It was 89 to 19, if I remember right. But that was pretty devastating. For those of you guys that lost on Saturday night, we feel your pain, and you're not alone. And I also know that this does not make it any better. So let's just move on to something that I really thought was a factor in the games on Saturday. Reyes, I want you to tell me what you think about this. Is it too much of an advantage for the AIA to let the higher seed host at home until the championship? Well, I do. I am a firm believer in home court advantage, you know. But with that being said, Thanks. I look at the game that we had last night and we look at Paige and Coolidge. 
Coolidge was technically the higher seed, and Paige won. So, I mean, it, it's a bit of a factor. You know, it depends on how, like, big of a basketball school you are, I feel. Like, true. I feel like, I feel true. Like, for those of you who don't know the distance between Paige and Coolidge, that's a five hour drive. Yeah. So, that's a wear on Paige. Coolidge is just waiting. So, props to Paige. We'll get more into that. But to answer your question, I feel that it is a big advantage, you know. It's a big advantage, especially for the higher seeds, but there was a couple of ups, upsets that happened, you know, so I can't. It's true, I, man. It was a fun. It was, it a, was a fun, fun, it was a fun night. night. What, what are your thoughts on that, Coach? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, for, for those of you listening, man, I did not sleep at all last night, and that's not a joke. Um, yeah, I was up watching hoops all night long. It was awesome. Um, yeah, this, and I was watching it last night. I think it was the first time I really kind of realized that teams are letting spectators back in and, uh, spectators are getting really rowdy. I was looking this up on the internet cause I was kind of interested. There was a study from this college in Pennsylvania and they analyzed over like 4,000 games and like a, it was like a five-year span or something oh, wow. like that okay. over all different levels of of hoops, so it was high school, college, NBA. And the results indicated that home teams win approximately 62% of the games and are better than visiting teams in shooting, rebounding, steals, assists, and shooting efficiency. Home teams are also more aggressive on offense, shooting more than visiting teams and with a higher efficiency. Home teams, when supported by the home team's crowd, play better with enhanced game efficiency. It's it's not simply uh, playing aggressively at home or the familiarity of the home court that gives the home team's advantage over visiting teams. It's more so the home court atmosphere. It kind of enhances the home teams to play up to their potential. Um, and I feel like that, that definitely plays a role. They also kind of came up with something with free throws, which I thought was interesting. Now, it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be, but home court advantage affects free throw accuracy. Its impact is pretty small. <laughs> home free throw percentages are about 0.2% oh. higher than they are okay. on the road. Yeah. I, I know, I know. But we know with these games. We do. Gilbert Christian, Valley Christian, it comes down to just a free throw, which we'll talk about later. Um, a 0.2% better free throw rate is worth an improvement of 0.05 net points. So not much, but it's interesting, though, especially for where we're at with teams hosting that are far away from other teams. The study also, again, I didn't sleep at all last night. The study also analyzed the effects of fatigue on a team. Mm. This is huge. Now, again, Paige Coolidge just kind of breaks this, but that's not the case for everybody. Teams that had to travel longer distances won only 17.64% of the time, while those traveling much shorter distances won 53.33% of the Whoa. time. Usually the playing field is evened out somewhat because at this time everybody's either playing at Prescott or Phoenix. And while some are closer, it kind of evens it out a little bit. Um, this time everybody's got to travel unless you're the higher seed. Um, anytime you have to get on a bus and travel three hours, it's a disadvantage. Um, I, I guess the main question is how many fans are some of these home teams allowing into their games? How many fans are they allowing their opponents to bring? How are kids responding to long bus rides to away games? Because it will affect the game. Talk about a huge advantage you can gain over your opponent at home in the Elite Eight and in the Elite in the in the Final Four. Shocker, but 
but I don't agree with the AIA on this one. I think it's too much of an advantage for teams. Um, I feel like the AIA did this because they did not want the liability of everybody congregating in Prescott or in Phoenix. Um, I, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. What was the attendance like in your games? Like, do you feel like that played a part in things at all? Like home crowd and home court advantage? I, I do feel like that plays a huge advantage because if we're talking about, like, some of the teams that we've coached and some of the teams that we've seen, when a kid gets going and the crowd is feeling it, that kid's confidence goes from, like, 100 to, like, 120%, if we're being completely honest. And especially when you have a group of seniors, they've been playing together for a long time, their use of the home crowd – giving them that extra energy when they're probably feeling flat. You know what I'm saying, coach? Right. right. So, Absolutely. So if a home team yeah. comes out flat and then, but you have your home crowd just continuing to cheer you on, say you hit a big three and the crowd just goes, just electrifies, you know, that just gives right. just that little bit more oomph, like that little like X factor to the home team opposed to like the visiting team. That's probably like, getting a little discouraged now because of the home team's crowd rallying so much for the home team, you know, and just. Absolutely. And I think it also throws gasoline onto the fire because these teams have not been playing in home atmospheres all year long. And now it's the playoffs where it really counts. And some of these teams are feeling that pressure when they're not used to it. That's very problematic. I think I agree. I don't know. It's crazy. Uh, the The games that I watched, I felt like the crowds really played a part into it. We'll, we'll get into it. Yes, we will. But, you know, it was an awesome night for hoops. So let's talk through some of these games. We talked before we got on the show, but but our predictions were not great. Four for four, four, four? They could have been worse, right? They could have been way worse. You know, we could have been completely off. So I'm glad we – you know what? We got a couple right, so that's a win. You know, that's a win in our book. You go 0 for 8. We get nobody right. Oh, my God. All the teams would probably hop off the podcast and stop listening if we went 0 for 8. <laughs> so so we both ended up going 4 and 4. Um, our, our flops were we picked Northwest Christian to beat Fountain Hills. That, that did not go well. We ended up picking the same teams um, all the way through. Uh, we picked PCD to upset uh, Pima. That did not happen. We picked Trivium to upset Rancho. That did not happen. We picked Valley winning. That did not happen. I cannot wait to talk to you guys about that game. The rest we got right. Scottsdale advancing. Santan advancing. Um, gosh, so excited about that matchup. Page advancing and Snowflake. So we ended up 4-4. Um, let's kind of talk things. Let's talk these things through. Chandler Prep, Scottsdale Christian. What happened there, man? I know you watched that one. Yeah, so I was able to tune into the Scottsdale and Chandler Prep game. And let me tell you, number 20, Matthew Fan, the senior guard from Scottsdale, it was pretty much – he was pretty much doing it all for them, if I'm being completely honest. And, you know, I did what Scottsdale did. They were really patient in their offense, and they were able to get what they wanted. You know, they weren't – Let me ask you this. Do you think that the fanboy – did so good because he heard me questioning his abilities to beat his little brother. That could have played a huge factor. Maybe that was the statement game because now that you bring that up, he had a whopping six threes. He made six threes that game against Chandler Prep. And he got going early in the first quarter, to be honest, and SCA was able to pull away pretty early from like the first to the second quarter. So at that point, Chandler Prep was just pretty much playing catch-up. And don't get me wrong, Chandler Prep played very tough. 
I, I like I like their physicality. You know, they play hard. They have a couple of guards that can play. But I just felt like Scottsdale, which is a little bit too patient. And then when Scottsdale threw a little bit of pressure at Chandler Prep, I felt like Chandler Prep was just a little rushed. And then and their decision-making wasn't terrific. But like, like I said, overall, right. it was a great win for Scottsdale. And I'd like to give a shout-out for Matthew Panigan for, you know, knocking down six threes. That's pretty tough. And he did a little, he did a little bit of everything for Scottsdale. So, yeah. Matthew Fan, if you're listening to this, I want you to challenge your brother to a three-point shooting contest, and I want to see who's the better shooter. Um, I'm very curious about that. Um, really quick, you said put some pressure on. Was that full court? Was that in the half court? It was they, just kind of they, ramping up their defense? They, they put a full court. Uh, it was a little bit of a zone and a little bit of man, to be honest with you, but they right. they played it really uptight, and they, like I said, they were really able to rush Chandler Frepp into forcing making some bad decisions, let's just say, in the half court. Gotcha. And and what about the the crazy redhead, Ryan Olinger? How did he do? So like, you know, about Scottsdale when one's not going, the other gets going. So Ryan Olinger, he didn't he wasn't really going for Scottsdale last night. It was like I said it was That is so true. It was I, I hate it's so yeah. true. Well and we'll and we'll dive into about the you know the matchups coming up after the after the segment. But like I said Fan was going and Ryan Olinger wasn't, but like I said, he competed on defense. He was there on he was there to help the helper. You know, he was just doing a little bit of everything, like the unnoticed the, the, the unnoticed stuff, exactly. You know, the grit. He was rebounding, he was boxing out, he played tough on defense, you know. He just did a little bit yeah. of everything too as well. It just goes unnoticed. But shout out to him for, you know, hanging in there, you know, because it's tough when you when you're not making some shots or if you're not like just going off like Matthew Fan was. Gosh, that kid. That kid, right. man, now, he was tough. Folks, he played really tough. I was really impressed. Yeah, yeah. Now, folks, listen, uh, I think one of the reasons why Ryan is able to to maintain his confidence is he's had some really, really massive career nights this year. One Huge. in particular where he had 45 points in 18 minutes, breaking a previous record. Um, really, I mean, just a legit, uh, you know, Reyes, you said this last time. I mean, he can just light it up. Um I mean, the kid is a threat from deep. Really excited to see them. Scott Stowe Christian advances, and they will play Santan in the next round. And Santan, um, if you are listening, um, I want you to know I could not find this game online. I went to like eight different websites. Um, I ended up messaging Benson Athletics on Twitter. Um, I, I want you guys to know, Santan, I tried to watch this game. I'm pretty sure I got a virus just trying to watch your game. Yeah, I, I, I was on a couple, a couple of bootleg. I was on a couple of bootleg. A couple sketchy sites, um, but we tried. Santan, Santan played pretty good against Benson. I think you got some pretty good data on that, huh? Yes, I do. So, you know, shout out to Coach Derek Friedman again. You know, I messaged him because I really wanted to watch his game and tune in, but uh, you know, Benson wasn't live streaming the game, so that was I was. Coach pretty... Freeman, I'll send you the bill for the antivirus that I need. Exactly, be ready for that. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, no, he was very helpful, and like I appreciate what he did. He sent us over some stats and just gave us a little bit about the game. So what I have here is Demetrius Johnson, which is number two on Santan Charter. He pretty much set the tone for Santan, and he had himself a complete game. If we're being honest, he was inching, coach. He was inching towards a quadruple double. He had 11 points. Quadruple double. A quadruple double. He had 11 points, 11 assists, 8 steals, and 7 rebounds. This kid pretty much did all for Santan. What is the – have you – like, what's the closest you've ever gotten to – have you ever had, like, a triple-double, double-double? 
I probably okay, yeah. So I probably in like a men's league game, which is kind of like the, you know like a rec league. You know, I probably had about ten points. Mm, I would say about ten rebounds and probably ten turnovers. That's probably the closest I had to a triple double. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about what about Old Town? I know you. I know you keep track of your Old Town stats. All my Old Town stats, I probably had about you know. You probably had a quadruple double there. Huh? Probably you know like ten fouls. <laughs> ten turnovers, you know. For sure, ten. ten fouls. Yeah, ten kick balls. You know, I just do, I do, I do it all. You know, I try to do my best to, you know, <laughs> protect the paint. You know, no. I'm just... <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, another standout performance too from uh, Price number twenty. I think this kid is tough for Santan. Coach, what do you think? I love. So I really like Santan. They obviously have their two guards that are averaging a lot. Um, number twenty, uh, Price. He's a nice player, man. He's tough. I like him. He, he is strong. He's athletic. He's great at breaking down his defender. He is just solid, man. Um, I really like him. Santan really likes to break you down, attack into the middle, and pitch out for threes, and then just keep attacking. It's similar to a dribble drive. Um, they also have number five, Jaleel Moore, and number one, Richmond. They're not going to fill up the stat sheet massively, but, man, I love these guards. They get after it on defense in the full court. They're real handsy. They're kind of smaller, I think, particularly number one. One of these guys is a little bit smaller, but, man, they are they got a lot of fight to them. Um, I love number 21, Yaquo, their center. He is 6'8", and he helps them a lot. He's also not afraid to take a charge either. He's willing to do the little things. you got to love that as a coach. I think the biggest thing about Santan that I love, I just love how they play. They really pressure in the full court. They do a great job. Um, I watched their game against St. John's, and at one point, the kids were so uh, disoriented that they just threw the ball right to the defender right in front of them. Like, they just lost it. Um, I really like how they pressure in the full court. They push it really fast. They'll be playing against some really experienced, much better guards because yes. who do they play next? They play Scottsdale Christian. And before we jump into that, actually, I just like to say I want to highlight Price and then Willie Frager. They both had 18 points, and Frager had nine rebounds to come with that 18 points. So, overall, like I said, great. That's, That's a really tough win and great win for Santan Charter, you know. So, and like I said, we do say they play the number one team, Scottsdale Christian, Friday night. I am really excited about this because if they play, and, and this is this is kind of the fun thing about this matchup, they're very different type of teams. Very. Um, Scottsdale will be the most experienced guards that they will actually probably play against this year. That will be an interesting matchup in the full court. I'm looking forward to see how they decide to play Scottsdale. I love how physical Santan is. I love their size. I think the biggest thing for them is they need to be very disciplined against Scottsdale and talk through the screens and keep up with the shooters. Um, I really love this matchup in the Final Four. This will be Santan's toughest game of the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, predictions will fall later on in this show. So let's move on to the 3A. Coach, what do you have for the 3A? Hold on. I'm going to give my prediction right now. Oh, you're, oh, oh, you're going to do it right now? I'm, I want to do it right now. Let's do it wait. right now. Let's hear it. Okay, so – um, man, I've just, I've got to go with my, with my heart on this one, not with my head. Um, if I'm being honest, my heart and like part of my head is telling me to do this. I've got Santan taking care of Scottsdale. Um, oh, taking care I like of how they're playing. When I say taking care of, I mean winning. Okay. Um, 
I really like Santana. I like the way they play. I think they're they're kind of playing. If you watch them with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, probably coming up from the CAA, um, I like Santana. Um, I like their chances. I see them advancing past the Final Four into the championship. Okay, so I'll follow and I'll give my prediction too. So I, just like you, I do have Santana Charter as well advancing. But that doesn't mean I'm sleeping on Scottsdale Christian because like we said, Scottsdale Christian has been in his moments many times. They're very. They're actually a very experienced team, and like I said, Scottsdale has some size to them too. You know, Matthew Fan. I mean, he's not overall big, but he said you have Ryan Olinger, which is about six six one. But then you have their big, which is about six eight, which Santana matches up. But then they have a guard. I forgot his name from Scottsdale, but he stands six six. He's athletic. He plays right. really tough I on think defense. I think it's Garrison Sherman or something. I believe so too. Yeah, he's six six. He plays really well on defense. Like I say, he's long. He's athletic. He can shoot the ball. He drives it well. So, like I said, Scottsdale also matches up, but if Santan wants to win, I feel like the keys are, first of all, you have to get the ball out of number 20, Matthew Fan, because he's pretty much – he's the general. He runs the ship for Scottsdale. He's the one setting up the plays. If you can get the ball out of uh, Fan, that kind of shakes things up for Scottsdale, but then also you have to be able to chase him off the three-point line because if you give him an open look, let's be honest, Coach, nine times out of ten, Scottsdale's probably going to knock it down. It's over, right. It's and you know what you said I agree with, that um... – Scottsdale Christian has been in this moment before. So has Santan Charter. They have in a different region. And all I'm saying, I've changed hundreds of diapers in my life. The other day, I changed a diaper and I got some poop on my finger. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Go Santan. I'm really looking forward to this matchup. You guys have got to tune in and check this one out. Okay, exactly. I'm gonna move forward. I'm gonna keep it in the two A. Okay. And let's go PCD and Pima. Okay. So what do you got on PCD that? and FEMA. So what I want to say, we talked about that home court advantage. This was a three-hour drive for PCD. Um, and I do want to say, I think that the home court advantage really helped Pima, and you'll kind of see why. Pima plays a super aggressive man-to-man defense. Um, if you remember, PCD's standout guard is Will Moralga. I think it's number 30. Will the Thrill, as you tough. call them, right? Will the Thrill. Um He's averaging mid to high 20s in the 2A, and he's a great player. Number 12 in the beginning of the game, Grant for Pima face guarded well and made his catches really tough. They were really aggressive with them in the half court, and really PCD played with terrible energy up until the end. Um, Pima did a great job flattening out dribblers, particularly Will. Um, Will kind of plays like bully ball. He drives into the lane, and he has a nice little spin move but he's very physical. He lowers his shoulder a little bit. Tonight, or last night, the ref, it was either a travel or it was a no-call and he missed contested shots. At the half, it was 27 to 9, Pima. That's tough. PCD went to their half-court pressure zone and got really active in the third quarter, caused a lot of problems for Pima. They started getting a lot more calls in the second half. All of a sudden, listen this, it's a one-point game with less than two minutes left. Fans really started to get at the refs. Oh, and um, you know how P- that goes. Pima, uh, if you're listening to this, I just want you to know that your audio is extremely clear in your broadcast. I could hear everything these people were saying. I wanted to tell you some of the insults I heard yelled at the refs. Please tell me. What's your I thought it? they were great. I really loved them. I love it when people yell at the refs because um, I feel like it's what we all want to say, but we just really can't. But the fans can. Here's one. 
Get off your knees, ref. You're blowing the game. That's a good one. I like that's a good. That a that's a funny one. That's a really good one. That's a good one. It must be Thanksgiving. You're giving those boys everything. I like that. I've never heard that one before. Never heard that one before. Like, okay, it's cheesy. What, what's the what's the best insults you've ever heard thrown at a ref? Have you ever yelled an insult at a ref? So I've called. I've said some things to refs that I'm not proud of. You know. Okay. I don't know if we should get into this segment, but I I guess I'll say one. So there was just keep one. it keep it somewhat clean, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's it's clean. It's just kind of rude. Le- okay. So there's a hefty fellow. Let's just oh, say no. officiating the, the game. Way. You attacked the way the guy's out there uh, running around. Trying he's to trying. He wasn't even running. He his cankles were probably hurting, coach. And oh, long story man. short, I called him Krispy Kreme. Oh, Krispy Kreme. Okay, That's Kreme. a pretty good one. Though. That's a pretty I'm good one. Gonna, you know. It's a pretty yeah, good I I went online and I looked up maybe some of some some insults that you could yell at refs, coaches. Um, I'm sure that that you won't have to use these, but but maybe if you're listening and you're you're looking for something to say, hopefully this pops into your mind. To be good. Come on, people have gotten pregnant from less contact than that. That's, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Hey ref, you might want to check your voicemail. You've missed a few calls. Corny, but good. That's good. Okay, so here's another one. After other fans, and I like this because it's like psychological. After other fans around me are done yelling at the refs, I like to drop, nice call, dad. That's a good one. <laughs> That's like a really that. good one. I like that one. I'm going to use that at some point in my life. Um, maybe as a coach, that would be funny. Um, when it was Halloween, I said to a ref, y'all sure are ready to go trick-or-treating tonight. Those referee costumes are on point. Ooh. That's pretty good. That one um, might get you a technical. Yeah, it probably would. It would. Um, anyways, uh, there was a lot of insults being thrown out there. I kept some off just to keep it more PG. Um, number 11 Slayer for Pima was great down the stretch. PCD got caught up in the fans, I feel. They lost the ball in the full court at the end. And one of their players stopped to motion a travel to the ref, and then he then got a block on the exact same Whoa. kid. So um, really a big bummer. The difference with Pima, and I think the reason why they were able to stop PCD, is they're just really long and physical and big, and their defense was just a little bit too swarming for PCD. PCD also came out with no energy. Mm. You could say maybe that's that's part of the travel, but also it doesn't matter how far you have to travel. It's the playoffs. You're playing for a Final Four spot. You got to show up to play. So that was disappointing. But PCD loses and Pima advances. Um, and we got uh, Rancho and Trivium, which was the next game. And you on. watched that one. Um, I watched Rancho and Trivium as well. And honestly, this game was really sloppy. It was not super pleasant to watch. I really like Rancho and I like Trivium. It just wasn't a – I mean, both coaches would probably even agree with me. That was not, like, a pleasant game to watch. Um, take a guess at the score at the end of the first quarter. Uh, just knowing those two teams, like, you would assume it would be within, like, the 15 to 18 range. That's, that's... – Seven to nine, Trivium. Ooh. It was just – and those last, like, four points were all scored at the last, like, 30 seconds. Um, it was just really sloppy. Both teams had a hard time scoring the ball. Neither team was able to establish a great flow throughout the whole time. Um, you know, both offenses actually have a lot of screening action in them. Have we mentioned how much we like Vargas? Yes, we have. 
I think we have. He, he's the bomb. Midway through the fourth quarter, um, he had a tip in off of a free throw. Mm, okay. He can just he can just really do it all. He's a great player. Um, Rancho's big is a load. Um, he is pretty versatile. He, he took it coast to coast in the second quarter two times and had really nice finishes. He hit a few threes. Um, and he's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, Rancho's pressure really bothered Trivium here in this game. Not even that they turned it over every time, but, but Trivium just looked out of sorts for most of the first half. Trivium tried to pressure Rancho throughout the game, but Rancho handled it really well, and it wasn't really a factor for them. Um, this is one of the biggest keys. Trivium is averaging 15 steals a game on the year. That's a lot. I don't think they got any steals from their pressure wow, against Rancho. That's huge. So, so Rancho did a great job. They ran some great action for the pick and roll. Okay. They dove the roller all the way to the rim, and they slipped the opposite side wing to the weak side for a wide-open three. Rancho's number four is a nice player. He's also a big. He knocked down some shots for him. Um, he's really long and lanky. Um, but Rancho advances on. Um, to give some love to Trivium, I love their point guard Jasper Zamora. He's a junior. Okay. He's coming Probably back. Year. He's got a great. He's got a great feel for the game. Um, when I look at Rancho, I don't feel like they have the best offensive flow, but they have matchup problems all over. Okay, the place. that's their bigs. Vargas. No matter who plays them, we'll have to figure out how to defend them. You can't really zone them because they can shoot. You got to figure out how to cover those mismatches. Um, it's all right if your offense doesn't flow that great, if you have kids who can really get you buckets. So um, Rancho advances, and they play um, Pima in the final four. That should be an interesting matchup as well. So that makes me that makes me curious to see what did Santan Charter do against Rancho? Because like we mentioned before, they played earlier in the regular season, towards not earlier, but actually late towards the regular season. And Santan Charter took care of business, you know? So I wonder. Yeah, and you know, I thought the same thing, and I tried to find it on YouTube. Again, I think I got another virus. I'll send that bill to you, Coach. But um, I couldn't find it. So yeah, I mean, I do think that Santan is more physical than a Trivium team. But yeah, I mean that that that's what I was thinking too. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. So I've got in that game with Rancho and Pima. Although Pima plays really hard, I've got Rancho advancing um, into the championship game. And I'm going for a Santan-Rancho rematch. I think that would be awesome. I think that would be really great. And I, I'm going to go with you and Copycat as well. And I got Rancho advancing. Just like you mentioned before, like I, we've seen Rancho play. We see what the kids got. The matchup problems are there. And like that has not, that's not a knock against Pima. You know, that's not a knock at all. Like, Pima's physical. They're pretty right. lengthy. They have some size, too. But I just – I just like, I like I like the Vargas kid, and I feel that if they if he can get going early, it could be a long night for Pima. But I'm hoping for a close one for this Final Four matchup. And I have Rancho advancing to the championship game against Santan Charter. I agree. I agree. Okay. So now, since we got our championships picked, let's move on to – the 3A. Why don't you start us off with Coolidge and Page? Again, folks, reminding you, this was a five-hour trip for Page. Yeah, so tuning into Coolidge and Page, I was pretty surprised on how athletic Coolidge was compared to Page. They're very athletic, but I feel like their guards weren't as skilled as Page. And that's not a knock. Huh. You know what I'm saying? I just feel like Page probably had the better guards from that matchup. Um, 
Coolidge had a lot of turnovers early, especially in the second quarter, which Page was actually able to capitalize on, and that hurt Coolidge. Mm-hmm. One thing about Page is I felt like they did a really good job uncovering number 24, which is uh, Nick Harrison, which is Coolidge's go-to weapon. That's their main that's kid. The, that's right? their main kid, and I feel like Page did a really good job. I think Robert Smith, number one from Page, was face-guarding him the whole night. And wherever Nick Harrison went, Page, they knew they communicated really well, and they just – had someone on him, you know. It was very. It was a really tough night for number twenty-four, Nick Harrison. How many points is he averaging on the year? Do you know? Uh, as of right now, he's averaging fifteen points a game. So I mean, he's getting it. Gotcha. That's who you were talking about before. Yes. Who he was at twenty last year. He's kind of at fifteen now. Do you know how many he had last night? Any like just idea? I just from watching. I don't think he cracked. I mean, he might have cracked fifteen, but I'm gonna say around twelve to be honest with okay, you. Okay, gotcha. And a couple of them okay. were from free throws, you know. Um, right. It was it was it was a good game. Page was pulling away. You know they were up ten points, but Coolidge was able to apply more pressure. They came back a little bit, right? That's what you were saying. They did. Yes, Coolidge was able to apply more pressure and speed Page up, which caused a lot of turnovers turnovers against Page. Now, for some reason, I really I want to know why the coach did, but they stopped going to their big. And for those of you, I was just about to ask how Coolidge defended their big. For, for those of you listening, just to remind you, Paige has a six ten big inside who's a nice player. He's a nice player. Has pretty good footwork. You know, he's not just like your tall, lanky kid. Like this kid will. He's physical, and he has a nice touch around the rim. If he's if you catch him on the block nine times out of ten, he's gonna make the shot. You know what I'm saying? But Coolidge overall did a pretty good job. They were pushing him off the block, and that's the key when you play Paige. You want to push him off the block. Mm-hmm. Because if he catches it, if he catches it anywhere from like three steps outside the block, he's just gonna give it back to he's gonna give it back to the wing, and then they'll just kind of keep working. He'll just uh, move around block to block and just try to get a real good seal. But Coolidge was pretty strong. Uh, number twenty three, I believe, was for Coolidge. Uh, he was very physical with Page's big, and I like what he did to push him out. But like I said, Page went away like big, like late in the third, early in the fourth, away from their big. I huh. I really do not know why. Maybe. Just because their guards were going, just from, from what I was seeing, I wish they would have kept feeding the big. You know, let the big dog eat. Like let him, right. let let him get his flow. You know, it'll come. But like, right. um, yeah. So overall, Paige was like Paige has been in this before. They went to the state championship last year. They know the experience on the road game. It was a lot difficult. It was pretty difficult. You know, five hours long drive, but right. they've been in this show before. They know what to do. They know how to win, and that's what they did uh, last night against Coolidge. So Paige advanced. Paige advances, and Paige is going to have a really tough matchup um, in the Final Four. I cannot wait to see this matchup. It's going to be really, really good. Um, That's awesome. Um, Okay. Florence and Snowflake, you watched them as well. I did watch uh, Florence and Snowflake. And a quick shout-out to Eddie Chappell from Florence. He actually played a really great game. I wasn't able to get stats on that, but he was very tough defensively, coach. He was he was fun to watch. He really was, you know. One thing actually, you know what? Hold on. I just thought of this. We just talked about Paige. Let me hit Gilbert and Valley. Okay. So that way it's fresh in people's minds and we can kind of make our prediction off that. You got it. Cool. Um so Coolidge and Paige, right? Um Paige advances. In my opinion, the game of the night. And if you were watching this, you know was number nine, Gilbert, playing number one, Valley Christian. Um, and this was a big, big uh, – this is a big trip for Gilbert. Yeah. 22 minutes. <laughs> um, Next door Valley neighbors. Valley and Gilbert 
this is interesting, okay? And this is what makes last night so much better. Valley and Gilbert, the last time um, – I'm sorry, this is a rematch from last year. Mm-hmm. Gilbert beat Valley Christian in the same quarterfinal game a year ago. Whoa, that. that's kind of weird. Home, it's, it's a curse, right? Home court advantage is huge. The Valley Christian fans were so into it. I thought there was like – and I couldn't see the the full bleachers. It seemed like there were so many people there. For Gilbert Christian, big number 42, Albert Wilson, was tough. He is a monster down low. I think he's one of the biggest keys to Gilbert Christian's offense. They mainly run a cutter off him in the high post, and then he sets an on-ball screen on the wing, and he rolls hard, but he is a load. And those screens are no joke. I want to remind you guys, he's 6'6". Early in the second quarter, he made a really mature move. He caught it on the block from an out-of-bounds play. Okay. He had a kid on his back. Instead of lowering the shoulder and getting a charge, he spun around him, scored, and the foul. Wow. He also ran some – Gilbert also ran some different action to get him the ball. It was just a down screen, and it was pretty simple, but it was different than just rolling off the pick from the wing. He was doubled, passed out of the double for a really nice two-handed dunk. Valley did not do, if you remember from what we talked about last time, Valley and Gilbert Christian played towards the end of the regular season, and Valley won. Valley did not do near as good a job fronting the post with weak side help as they had done before. The story of the first half, number four, Jaden DeBoer. He single-handedly was keeping Valley in the game. He was hitting deep threes in transition. He was locked and loaded. There was one possession where the announcer said, Valley Christian is going to slow things down in a half-court offense right here. They ran a double screen off the block for Jaden. Step back three off the first pass. Okay. Wow. Did I mention this? He had 27 points at halftime. Whoa. Wait. What would you say? Can you repeat that for the people that are listening? He had 27 at halftime, and this kid was unconscious, just pulling. Um Valley open, and, and, you know, it was interesting because when I watch Valley, um, they have a lot of really good players, and it was great that Jaden was going off, but you almost get the sense that there wasn't enough people getting involved for later on gotcha. in the game, right? And, and Valley opened the second half with a great run, took a nine-point lead at the beginning, made uh, – I'm talking about Gilbert here. They made Jaden's catches much tougher in the second half. They face-guarded him when they could. Here's the thing. Gilbert Christian just makes really great decisions almost every single time. That's huge. Um, you know, the worst decision on their team is probably number 21 and his haircut. Uh, I am not a fan of the mullet. <laughs> um, you know, he's got a pretty significant mullet. Maybe it was a mistake. I don't know. Um, I didn't look like one. Um, I, you know, I've had some pretty bad. One time my wife was cutting my hair and uh, I asked her to just take a little bit off the top, and she took a zero and just went right down the middle. Ooh. And, you know, I had to go bald for about the next month or two when my hair was growing back. So, I mean, I get it. Accidents happen. It was a mistake. I don't think this is a mistake. This is the worst decision on their team. Um, these kids from Gilbert, they drive in, and they always make the right basketball play. It is I mean, it's tough. It's like right when they get in, it's actually really satisfying. They drive in, there's three people that come in, and and you're almost like, oh, you got to kick it out. And they kick it out and find just the perfect person. 
like, oh, give it an extra pass. They give the extra pass. Oh, shoot it. They shoot. I mean, they just make great plays. This is where the game got really interesting. It was 64 to 51 with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. Gilbert was up. Oh. That was a big lead. And I almost turned it off. There was a lot of games going on. I was like, dang, Valley just got got. Valley starts to up the pressure, and Gilbert has a really hard time. It's still an 11-point lead with two minutes left. Get this. Valley scores seven points in 30 seconds. 30 seconds? What is Reggie Miller? It was unbelievable. Tracy McGrady-like. Gilbert has free throws. Gilbert Christian has some free throws. Makes the first one. Misses the second. But there's a free throw violation. The person shooting the free throw gets an extra one and makes it. It's huge. That's going to be a killer, as we'll see. Valley takes the lead with 39 seconds left. They come down. They score. It was out of an out-of-bounds play. They score with 39 seconds left. They've got the lead. And I think this shows how much Coach Keener, like how much he trusts his squad. Gilbert has a timeout. They don't even use it. I think he uses it? He doesn't even use it. He's like, man, I don't even need this. These kids got it. I don't even think he said anything. I'm sure he did. But this team is really poised. They get down. They run something. They get it to their big. He scores the go-ahead shot. It's a game winner. Gilbert wins. And it's kind of a nightmare for Valley Christian as their their season gets ended at the same point by the same team from a year ago. That's a tough loss. That's huge. Huge for Gilbert. Tough Huge loss. for Gilbert. God. Tough for Valley. Yeah, huge for Gilbert, man. And, you know, Jaden DeBoer only had, I think, about 10 points in the second half, so they did a much better on him. Again, Valley clearly had the best offensive player on the floor, but Gilbert just has such a great team. They play well together. They compete really hard. There was a really cool moment at the end, actually. I I love this. One of the Valley players, after they lost, they were very frustrated at the end, as you could imagine. He took his jersey off and laid in the middle of the court. Hmm. A couple of the Gilbert Christian kids stopped celebrating and went over to help him up and told him great game. That was great sportsmanship. I just wanted to highlight that because I thought that was super cool. That's awesome. Also to highlight another player from Gilbert, number two, their point guard. uh, I think his name is Gargan. I love this kid. He's a really solid, great point guard. He's always in a stance on D. He's a great guard, handles the ball well. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Gilbert, Christian, and Paige in the Final Four. My pick for this, I've got Gilbert Christian taking Paige because Gilbert Christian plays really hard. I think they're the better overall team. I think their guards are a little bit better. I think their big will match up good against this other big. I like Gilbert Christian moving forward to the championship for the 3A. Interesting, interesting take. So just from watching Paige, like, as we discussed earlier and stuff like that, I do I do like Paige's guards, especially when we're – 15 from pay. I think his name is Dante. He's, a tough he's chippy, huh? huh? He's chippy. He's huh? a chippy kid. He's not like, he's not the biggest player on the court, but man, he's up in your face and he, he's, like a, he's a tough guard. He'll get in there and he'll make some big plays for Paige. I am going to go ahead and make my prediction. And I want Paige to advance over Gilbert Christian just because you are going for Gilbert Christian. I'm not saying, so this is out of spite. It's out of spite. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you got your pick. I want my pick. Let's see who wins. Exactly what it's gonna be. Okay, let's let, let's put a burrito. Let's, on. let's put, put a burrito, burrito on it. You know, I got Paige okay. advancing over Gilbert. I feel that they're big. We'll still have a big game, but I feel like 
when you take the big out of the game, and when we mean take the big out of the game, we mean hold on to 22 points, 20, 25 points. That's what we mean by taking out Paige's big. If you take him out, yeah, Paige's big is very effective. He's very effective. If you're able to take him out, don't be surprised when Paige starts to light it up from three because those, all, those, all the kids on the court can hit. They can all shoot and from deep. So if you don't have a high yep. hand, if, if they're like by the red line, you better have a high end because they will not hesitate and they will shoot it. And they more than likely they will make it, coach. So I, I have I'm gonna say this too. And I, I see what you're saying. Gilbert can also light it up. And all Ooh. those kids. Now, here's the thing. I told you I was watching Trivium and Rancho. You know, I watched PCD, you know, Will couldn't buy a bucket. Um, you know, looking at all those, even Trivium and Rancho, they really had a hard time finding an offensive flow. All of the shots that they were missing. Gilbert and Valley were making like it was just three after three. It was so fun to watch, man. This was a great game. I got Gilbert kind of moving on. I, I like that matchup a lot. Okay. Now let's move on to Florence and Snowflake. Sorry, I cut you off there. I just wanted to hit it at the same time. Of course. Yeah, no worries. I understand that. So like I was saying before, big. Sh- I can't wait for my burrito, by the way. And too. we'll see. <laughs> like, like I was saying before, give praise to Eddie Chapoise from Florence. He played a great game. He was tough defensively, as I said before. One thing I noticed from the game, though, between Snowflake and Florence is Snowflake's big. He's only about 6'4", 6'5". Stuart West, he's averaging a little over 17 a game. Tough. Very physical, very patient inside the post. He was was getting hot early on, but that was it. I think the first quarter he had like seven points. You know, so he was was going. Can you shoot it outside at all? Uh, He's more of a low man game. He's, okay, he's, 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 I mean, at least in that game that you watched. At least, at least that game, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I've seen him take a couple of threes. He didn't make any. I think he made one against Winslow. Gotcha. But other than that, his okay. game's solely around the paint. He lives in the paint. Okay. He's physical. He'll draw the fouls on you. Very patient, like I said. So do not buy on the up and under, fellas, if you're watching. Um, mm. Like I said, though, he went. He was going early on, but that was it. And only in the first quarter, first, second quarter, that was it. He wasn't really effective much after that. Um. Uh, what, what was I going to say? Oh, Snowflake took a huge lead. It was like 19, like, 19 to 5 to end the first quarter. Oh, shoot. To end the first, Wasn't this game? It ended pretty close, didn't it? It ended really close. Florence was able to fight back from a 14-point deficit. Huge third and fourth quarter, causing massive turnovers against Snowflake. Malik Payton. Huh. After watching him, actually, like actually, after watching the whole game, I like this kid. He's a really tough player, nitty-gritty He's, huh. But he's also tough in the ISO, coach. This, if you have him on a one-on-one, it's pretty tough. Like nine times – I want to say eight out of ten times, like he's going to make the shot, make the basket. He came up big, gotcha. 15 points to end the night. He had nine in the fourth quarter, though. That's what was huge. That was like the factor for me for Florence. And although they, right. although they didn't win, it was still a very good game, very hard-fought game, very physical game, I would like to say. Snowflake and Florence are very physical, but I feel like Snowflake – their seniors, the, the way the senior played, it was just great. They're they've been in this position before. Uh, uh Rice and Stewart, he had eight big points. I think in the fourth quarter, a lot of back right. had a couple backdoor layups to pretty much seal the deal. And they Snowflake pretty much won the game at the free throw line. So you do not want to foul the yeah, senior. Kind of, yeah. And from from what I've seen from Snowflake, I really like how they play. Like they play. Again, they don't have one kid who massively stands nope. out, but 
man, like they just play really, really good together. They have a nice feel for each other. They they're well coached. They play solid defense. They compete. They can shoot the ball. They're t- I like snow and they're tough in transition. Yeah, they're I tough think. in transition too. They like to go. They're not. I don't want to say they're not a patient team because they can be, but if the opportunity is there, it's going to be taken, you know? Yeah, they'll take it. They'll take yeah, it. You're, you're absolutely right. So, with that, Snowflake advances over Florence heading into the final four. Okay, so we got Snowflake, and this one, this one's hurting my heart, man. <sighs> it's killing me. I was – beside myself northwest christian and fountain hills played against each other and you guys know i picked northwest christian to kind of be my dark horse i love their story i love their coach i like how they play i like the players on their team um fountain hills had played against northwest earlier in the season and they lost by i think it was like a four-point game or something it was close um it was right around there fountain hills showed up and I've got to really give credit to Fountain Hills. I agree. That coach had them ready to go. I mean, they were tough. They ran so Northwest runs a type of a matchup zone. For those of you who don't know, things that are hard for a matchup to defend: on-ball screens, drag dribbles, dribble drive. Fountain Hills did all of this stuff really, really well. They ran drag screens almost every time each possession. Um, number 11, their shooter, Logan, had a really rough game for Northwest. They just could not get a call in the first half as well. That hurt them. Unfortunately, Northwest and their little run really comes to an end. But but it was to a very good Fountain Hills team. They really remind me of a Gilbert Christian, except I still think Gilbert Christian has a little bit more talented players. They're just both very patient. They have the ability to be very patient. Um when I see Fountain Hills, there's not one standout player. They're just a really great team. One of the things that they do on defense that is really, really good is they shade the ball to one side of the court, and their help side is a step off of their defender, and they really pack it in. They do a great job being really aggressive. Um, Northwest Christian, their offense, they run a lot of uh, – on-ball screens to the wing, and then they roll. They defended this great against Northwest. They were really physical. Northwest size was not really a, 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 as big of a factor as I thought it was going to be. Um, man, I, as much as it bums me out to see Northwest kind of fall apart a little bit at the end, because they really did – I mean, it was a bad one. That was one of the worst ones of the night. Um, you know, it's to a very good Fountain Hills team. So um, I really like Fountain Hills moving forward. I have Fountain Hills um, taking care of Snowflake um, in uh, the Final Four and advancing to the championship. That's very interesting. We've seen Fountain Hills play a couple times now, actually, now that you bring that up. Um, right. One thing I like about Fountain Hills, too, is all of their players are willing to take charges. That's huge for a program. And, like, as a coach, that makes you – like, I feel like it makes you feel better just because, like, knowing that, like, if maybe your man gets beat, you have your right. help sign. He's ready to take a charge. He's willing to sacrifice his body for the team, you know, because taking a charge, right. it's not an individual thing. It's for the team. Like you're sacrificing your body. You're throwing it out Absolutely. there and you're getting hit, you know, to, for, to cause a turnover pretty much and get the ball back, which is great. So that's probably one thing I liked about Fountain Hills, especially last night. Now, I know. I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say now for the matchup between Snowflake and Fountain Hills, 
I I like my chances with Snowflake. I really do. And the only reason why is I feel like, like I said, both guard play, they're like from both teams. They're not like, there's not really any standouts like you say. And for the big, like Fountain has a six seven, but then like Snowflake has a six four. But the six four kid is very physical, so I, I'm curious to see how the physicality right. from Snowflake translates to Found Hills, and if Snow, um, and if Snowflake can speed up Found Hills because it's very hard to speed up that team because Found Hills is very patient they're like patient, they're, very patient. they're very patient and there's been spurts where you're able to uh, speed them up but then their coach will call a timeout get them relaxed and settled and poised and then they're just back at it running their offense the way they want and they get what they want so i i but like i said overall i have snowflake advancing over fountain hills we got some different picks this time i like it. this time i love it you know what's interesting i just thought about this but also, side side piece, I want to say this. Uh, number 22 for Northwest Christian, uh, Rocky Maniachi, went in the game. And uh, he had his uh, right hand with a with a wrap around it. I'm just going to say that he was probably out of gym boxing. Probably hitting I'm some. just going to end it there. He was, you ever seen, oh, you've never seen Rocky. But for those of you who are listening and have seen Rocky, there's a scene where he's at like a meat shop. And he's just, instead of hitting the bag, he's hitting the meat. So that's probably what Rocky was doing from Northwest Christian, just to give those fans a little visual aid as we're talking. Makes sense. Makes sense. Rocky, you should have waited till after the game, man. You should have waited till after the game. Exactly. Um, but, you know, I just thought about this, but the kind of high caliber, high name players have all been eliminated from the tournament. They have. Tournament. Jaden DeBoer, Will Moralga, um, the kid from Florence or from Coolidge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nick Harrison, um, Malik Payton. The majority of the teams that are left are kind of like just really solid teams. I think probably which of those probably Santan charter has some of the more standout guys. Them and Scott. Um, so Christian, them and Scott. So Christian. Scott so Christian has some, I guess there's still some, um, but it's kind of interesting, especially looking at the three, a moving forward, it's just really solid teams going to play some great basketball on Thursday. I'm so pumped for it. Man. I'm so pumped, Coach. It's going to be great. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, man, we've been getting some great feedback from you guys, so keep it up, man. Um, give us a like. Retweet us. Give us a follow. Um, spread the word. We just want to bring more attention to Arizona small ball because, man, like I said in the beginning, you guys don't get enough love or recognition, we're here to show that to you guys. We will be back after the Final Four recap, or after the Final Four to recap it, talk about it, how it went, talk about my chorizo burrito, and look at our picks moving forward. All right? Small ball forever. You guys take it easy. Have a great spring break.